Good morning. This week we come to the subject of unanswered prayer. It's possibly one of the hardest questions that exist that can be posed to a Christian. Why is it that God doesn't answer every prayer? And specifically, why doesn't God answer some really big prayers? We're not really looking this week at prayers to win the national lottery or find a parking space or find our keys in the kitchen drawer. We're really asking big questions, asking questions about why didn't God heal our friend or our partner? Why did they die before their time? Why did we lose a child? Why were we unable to see the breakthrough that we all longed and prayed for? Because if God is all powerful and all loving, isn't that surely a clear opportunity for him to express his power and his goodness and his love and his kindness? There's a challenge in this question of unanswered prayer, a challenge that goes to the heart of our faith and a challenge that is used by those who don't believe to say that our faith is nothing and it's ridiculous. Pete Gregg does an excellent job in his video and in his book of pointing us to the cross of Christ. And Philip Yancey identifies in his book, Disappointment with God, that God was willing to walk through the very things he asks us to walk through in faith himself. Jesus, before going to the cross, asked the Father to find another way that he wouldn't have to bear the sins of the world, the destruction of a poor created order because of humanity's fall. He didn't have to carry that. He didn't want to carry that. And in his humanness, he just couldn't carry it. But God said, Nothing, as far as we can tell, in that dialogue. And so Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. And he moved to be arrested and to be taken and then crucified. Now, from the other side of Easter Sunday, we have a different picture. We have the picture of the risen Lord, who now makes all things possible because he has conquered death. And he has conquered sin and the grave. And because of that, we have hope. And we know that all things have been subjected to him. But as the writer of Hebrews says, not everything is as yet subject to him. So we wait in this time between the resurrection of Jesus and his second coming, his return, when he will make all things new. And in the promise of Revelation, where he states that there will be no more suffering, no more crying and no more pain as the people of God enjoy the presence and intimacy of God forever. Until then, we live in a fallen creation, in a situation that we don't fully understand. And we cry out to God for his kingdom to come and his will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And as a community of believers, 
our pursuit is of his face and of his presence amongst us. And as we seek his face, invariably we also find his hand of provision and healing and grace along the way. There is mystery to this. There are no simple, quick answers. And to attempt to give them is really at times rude and at times cold. I think what God wants us to do in times of unanswered prayer and the pain and the sorrow that comes with unanswered prayer is to not run, but to draw near and to be held and to behold. There are three things that Pete, Greg and others talk about in terms of good activities, good things to do when we're walking through a season of unanswered prayer. The first is to focus on the promises of Scripture. What has God said and what does the word of God say about his nature and his character towards us? In Zephaniah, the prophet speaks of God wanting to quieten us with his love, that he rejoices over us with singing. I don't know about you if you've ever had the experience of putting a child to bed when they don't want to go to bed. I've had the experience of holding them close, carrying them up the stairs, but they're pounding my back and kicking and struggling and wanting to break free. But they also know in that embrace that they are safe, even though the situation they're going through is not one that they enjoy or want. There is heartbreak, there is sorrow in my heart, because I know that really they don't want to be going through what they're going through. But I mean it for good, that they may rest and they may be ready for the next day. And sometimes in those situations where we need to focus on the promises of Scripture and draw close, we're embraced by God, but we're kicking, we're punching, we're hitting out, we're angry with God, we're frustrated with God, we're annoyed, and we're hurting. And like a child being carried up to bed, we're pounding on his back and on his arms and on his legs, saying, get off me, let me go. I want to be on my own. I want to do what I want to do. I want something other than this. I believe in these situations, it's still the best place for us to be, is in his arms, in that 